Get in on Stanley Cup Finals action, Lightning versus Avalanche at Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Before the game starts, live in play or one of our many prop bets. Do it right since 1997, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. It's 19 plus. Please play responsibly. The world's most comfortable pants. Doer stands for natural performance and simplicity, and it's based in Vancouver. Designed with the belief that comfort, style, and function should complement each other rather than compete. This means a single pair of Doer pants can take you from the bike lane to the boardroom and out to dinner, all while maintaining a sense of effortless sophistication. You don't have to climb a mountain in Doer denim but you could if you wanted to. Versatile wardrobe essentials made for all you do in a day so you can spend less time getting ready and more time living life. And this is the best part. To get a $15 discount, use the promo code SDPN15. Again, to get a $15 discount, use the promo code SDPN15. This is Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild, Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Welcome to another edition of Agent Provocateur. I'm Alan Walsh with Adam Wild. How are you, Adam? I'm great, Alan. How are you today? Doing awesome. My daughter graduated from high school last week. We had all these friends and family in town, Mm -hmm. and uh, they had all of their flights canceled when they were bugging out of town. But everybody has now safely made it home and back to work. And you're almost an empty nester. August 16th, <laughs> I will officially have two kids in university and be a, uh, officially an empty nester. That's right. But it's a good thing that you've got uh, multiple kids that you're an agent to, right? Well, that's the whole, the whole thing, right? I, <laughs> I've, got, I've got 50 kids. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And along those lines, mm-hmm. uh, why don't we introduce our guest this week? who was born and raised in Mississauga, Ontario. Adam, how do you like that transition? Was that good? I, that was beautiful, actually. It was right. professional. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well I'm done. learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, he played junior hockey in the OHL with Owen Sound and Guelph, drafted 52nd overall in the 2018 NHL entry draft by the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> traded to the LA Kings with Carl Grundstrom and a first round pick for defenseman Jake Muzzin after two seasons in the AHL with the Ontario Reign, made his NHL debut this season and never looked back, registering three goals, 24 assists, 27 points in 64 games for an outstanding 0.42 points per game in his rookie season. He just finished and the results were released released on Tuesday, fourth in voting amongst defensemen for the NHL all rookie team. Let's give a big welcome to noted Alan Walsh client, Sean Jersey. <laughs> Yay! Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Thank you for that intro. That was too kind. <laughs> he does a good intro, doesn't he? That is a damn good intro. Anything he good. missed on that resume, Sean, or uh, do you think he got it all? He probably gave me a little more than I deserve, but that's okay. pretty... <laughs> no, well, he, was, he was rock solid there. Good job. That's part of my job, man. It's part of my job. So uh, one of the things, Sean, and and we've been working together now for a couple of years. And one of the things that stands out amongst many things with you is, you you know, people, for example, LA Kings fans, see a, a, a young guy coming into the NHL as a rookie And if they're not a a real fan of the game and know every player's history, they have no idea what your backstory is to make your debut in the NHL and then become a regular in the NHL. And one of the things that is really fascinating about your backstory 
is all the adversity you faced and overcome uh, to get to where you are. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think it's fascinating. Uh, You came into the OHL and you had a real good season your first year. But at that time, while the dream probably burned very deeply inside of you to become an NHL player. I don't know how many other people that first year watched you and said, that guy is a guaranteed surefire NHL player. So why don't you tell a little bit, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So it started, uh, you know, growing up, I was, I loved hockey. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. And then as things got tougher, guys started growing and this is in minor hockey. I, I kind of stayed, I was pretty small and, uh, things kind of didn't go my way. Um, maybe my skills kind of fell behind and, you know, that kind of made my love for the game a little bit, you know, kind of faltered a little bit. And, and I thought to myself, you know, what happened? Like, I, I, I love this game so much. Like now I'm like, didn't want to go to practice and, and this, that, and I got cut from a triple A team. And, and that was the first probably big stepping stone of, of adversity that I had in my life. And it's funny. Cause I remember it like pretty clearly I got cut and uh, I was, I was on a team with all my friends. So it, it sucked. There was a new coach. He came in and he said, I wasn't good enough. I ended up going down a level and I kind of regained my love and my joy for hockey and, and it kind of lit a fire that it's never gone out. And and it's kind of from, to this day now, it's from that moment to now, it's my love for the game. It's, you know, it's uncomparable going to the OHL uh, or or playing double A. Sorry. I I went down, I, I regained my love for the game and I started to get better. I started to get better. And I worked on myself and, and, you know, I, I was motivated and I wanted to get back to AAA and I got that chance that for my OHL draft year, I ended up getting going through the year as, you know, the, the seventh man in the beginning and, and worked my way up to a one, two spot. I was playing a little more and the draft came and, and I was nervous, but trying to act like, uh, you know, uh, whatever happens, happens, but I knew I really wanted to get picked. And I was lucky enough for a team to take a, a chance on me in the 12th round. Uh, that team ended up being on sound and I wanted to do every, every single thing I could for the next two years I had to make the team to show them that they made the right decision. Right. Came to camp the second year, first year, they said, you know what, why don't you go back to minor hockey, play another year and we'll see what happens next year. So I came to camp, you know, wanted to be a little stronger. I came in probably at the time the best shape of my life. Last cuts, they I, I get called in for my meeting and they tell me they want to sign me. And I looked at the roster and they had nine defensemen. And no smart person would, you know, look at a team with nine, eight defensemen and say, I want to be the ninth. But, you know, I knew this was my dream. I was had a few years before my NHL draft. And, and I thought back to my minor hockey roots when I first hit that adversity and, and how I regained that those steps. And I started as a seventh D man in AAA and I worked my way up just by putting my head down and, and kind of going to work and came back and I made the decision, talked to my parents and I said, I want to sign in the OHL. And I ended up signing as the ninth defenseman that year. Things went on and I was, I was kind of gutting my way to get into the lineup. Uh, just playing fourth line just to get on the second power play unit as a defenseman. And finally they, there's a, spot that cleared up on D and I was playing a little more on D and ended up being scratched for 20 games. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I had a good year. I scored 10 goals. I had 16 points in 40 something games. And, uh, I thought, you know what? I could build off this. I I know I could play in the power play. I did it for the second unit. And, uh, the next year is my NHL draft year. So I knew I had to, to kind of, kind of grind and, and kind of give myself a shot to get picked. I, that summer I hit another pretty big step in adversity. I had something going on in my ankle and I had no idea what was going on. And, and I go to doctors and nobody knows what's wrong with it. And, and finally I had a family friend who worked at a hospital and he had a, his buddy was a foot specialist, foot and ankle specialist. And he kind of looked at it and he said, you got what's called the, uh, 
ostrigonum. It's an extra bone in your ankle. And I aggravated it training. So he said, the only way you can fix this is by getting it removed. And I said, because I tried physio the whole summer. And I got it, I ended up getting it removed in August, maybe a, not even a month before the season starts in the OHL. Bad time camp. to have surgery. Yeah. Terrible time to have surgery. So I missed the, the key moments in that summer for training. I ended up going to camp that year, missed camp, and I missed eight games in my NHL draft year. I came back and I, and I had a slow, slow start to the beginning of the year. But after Christmas, I kind of, I kind of start, things started to click a little bit. And I saw from a rookie who was getting scratched to playing every game since I was healthy and, and kind of getting some, you know, points and, and getting some, making some good plays and, and kind of just, I remember it clicking in my head, like, Hey, I could do this. I could play in this league and, and I could be something special here. Ended up with 30 something points in that year. And, you know, I was 30, 30, uh, whatever, some, some in the thirties and, and there was the NHL draft and I thought 30 something points in 60 games over 0.5 per game. You know what? It's my NHL draft. And, and you were ranked on the NHL central scouting list and um, you know, your name was out there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do you remember where the draft was that year? Yeah. So it was in Chicago that year. And then yeah. we've talked about this, but yeah. Yeah. So um I've been doing this now representing players for 27 years and in the conversation over the NHL draft, I've always firmly believed if you're not expected to go in the top three rounds of the draft, the players and their families are better off to stay home and wait for the phone call. Now, uh, because. Will you sit at the draft, you know, and I, and I've been to the last 27 drafts and you see players and families suit and tie fifth round, the, the knees start shaking up and down. And the thought, a lot of people go into the draft thinking I'm going to get drafted. I'm okay with getting drafted late, but I'm going to get drafted. And you get into the sixth round and you start hearing names you've never heard before from different parts of Russia or Europe. And everybody's kind of like, huh, who is that guy? Never heard of him. And you get into the seventh round and it is devastating to be sitting there for many people to be sitting there for an entire draft and seeing players going, 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 and you get to the very end and you're not drafted. That's a, ter- it's a terrible feeling. And Sean, you were at the draft and you weren't drafted. Yeah. Right? So what was that like for you and your family? So the adversity that I faced throughout my career, you know, I went from the first one I told you guys about, and then my first year in the OHL being scratched. It's obviously your first time, when your team's playing, you're healthy and you're not playing. It's a, it's a weird feeling going through that, but each step of adversity on the way kind of had those defining moments. And I remember leading up to the draft, I was not planning on going. I knew I was, I was ranked on central scouting and I've talked to a few teams and, and I thought maybe there was a chance and I, I thought I should have been, uh, especially with the second half I had and stuff. But anyways, Two weeks before, we were on a family vacation in Florida, I want to say. And we were just going for a walk, and I kind of looked at my parents, and, and I was doing, uh, doing a lot of thinking, and I said, you know what? I want to go. I knew who I was at the time. I knew what I deserved. And at that moment, I thought about the worst situation and then the best situation. And I said, can I deal with the worst? And the worst is me going, not getting picked, going home and, you know, going through that whole situation. Mm -hmm. And the best was me getting picked. And I thought if I got picked, I want to be there for it. And if I didn't, I've already thought about it. I know who I am. I know what I deserve. It's only going to motivate me even more. So going through those scenarios, I made the decision to go. Uh, I had a bunch, I had a couple of friends who got picked and 
sitting there. And like you said, it's funny because it was the first round and you see top, top few names go off the board and you're like, ah, they're, they're, you know, that's, that's what I thought was going to happen. This, uh, and then you hear a kid from somewhere in Europe or somewhere in Russia get picked. You never heard his name. He has zero goals and two assists and he's in the top 15 and you're like, hold on. I might yeah. be in trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so I I ended up sitting through and the first round obviously was fun. And then I had a friend who got picked. And then the second day in the beginning, you're, you hear names and you know, you're not going to go, but at the same time, you still think it's going to happen. You're like, you know, maybe I get picked here. Finally, six, five, six, seven, they go quick. And I remember looking at looking at my parents, and I had uh, Suzuki was there with me. He got picked the day before, and uh, my Bill Bill mom was there, and we we're just sitting there. And I'm looking around, and and my biggest worry wasn't myself. My biggest worry was what everyone else was feeling for me. I right. didn't want any pity. I didn't want any of that. It was going quick, sixth, seventh round. I got a text saying, you know, from. Florida at the time saying they wanted me to come to camp. And I'm like, there's still two rounds left, <laughs> like, yeah. but I think it goes so quick that teams already know and, and things are already set. So I didn't get picked. And in that moment, sitting beside my parents, Suzuki, my billet, Bill mom was there. I knew from that moment, I was going to do everything I could that summer, take every single experience that I, I gained throughout my whole entire career and put it to work. And now that like could I, go either way. That could, the way you the way you were thinking at that moment is exactly. is rare because most people at that moment would be so devastated they would be turned off by hockey. You you naturally try to stay away from things that are painful mm-hmm. and 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 when you're you're played your whole life, you know, going towards the NHL draft, being drafted, and you're there and your name isn't called. That's a really tough thing to go through. Yeah. Yeah. So and then I and then I thought back to before the draft, I was thinking of the best case scenario and the worst case scenario. And before it was me getting picked that day. But it ends it ended up being the best case scenario for me was not getting picked that day. Because I looked beside me and I saw who was there supporting me and I saw who was at home watching. And I thought, I'm going to put everything I can, not to prove these 32 teams. At the time, I thought every single team was stupid. And I was mad. And <laughs> you have all these feelings and, and all that. But I wasn't focused on those teams because they didn't give a shit about me, quite frankly. Sorry for my language. But they didn't care about me. I wanted to prove the people who were sitting next to me for seven rounds the people who are at home watching that they believe in the right guy and the right guy is going to make it happen. So I kind of took that energy and that's kind of where my mind switched. And, and that was the adversity that I'd gone through that kind of defined where I'm at and, and kind of defined those next few summers and, and those next few years of my life to kind of get where I am now. Right. Now okay. you I ended up going, just, just one more. You yeah. ended up going to a development camp that year. Yeah. Where, yeah, did, where I went, did you go? So I went to Florida and then I went to Toronto right after. Right. And uh, what, ha- what happened in Toronto's development camp? I remember, geez, there was a bunch of kids there and, and, you know, we went through a bunch of games and drills and, you know, at the end of it, they said, thanks for coming. You know, we'll keep an eye on you. We'll, we'll keep in touch. And it was basically saying, Thanks for showing up. Glad you came. Glad you gave us uh, our, our guys a good tryout and, you know, good luck the rest of the way. And it was fun. Okay. Adam? Well, okay. So, so I'm noticing a bit of a theme here and I, I want to expand on it. So you went to the, so you went to the Panther camp and the Leaf camp, correct? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Yeah. So just so, just so listeners like myself, like, um, you know, you didn't just go to Florida and skate on a rink. You were at the Panthers development camp. You were at the Leafs development camp. So that makes sense. Um, there's a, the thing, the theme that I'm seeing and Alan, uh, I want to ask you how rare this is. We're going to pretend like Sean's not here for a second. The mindset that a player needs to have, that a person in life needs to have 
when he's sitting there and he's watching everybody else get picked, you know, some guy, different country, zero goals, two assists in seven games. Can't, you know, Googling his name. I'm looking at this guy on hockey DB. I've never heard of him. Um, how many people have you encountered Alan with the mindset that Sean talked about there, just there about, you know, not being picked. You have no idea how rare it is. And, and you find when, when players um, start playing in the NHL and start getting some steam behind them and their careers are progressing forward. Um, I could think of several players who I represented. So I got to know them really well. I got to know their psychological makeup. I got to know how they deal with adversity. They have similarities, Mm -hmm. but I I also know the larger, much larger group of guys who got so discouraged when they came up against adversity that they gave up. Right. And, and, And you do everything you can to show them, you know, look at what other people have gone through and look at how they dealt with setbacks, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not the only guy to ever have a setback and you can feel sorry for yourself and look your wounds for 24 hours, but then it's about, I'm going to go back out there and I'm going to make a promise to myself that I'm going to be the best that I could be. And I'm going to make it next time. You have to have that attitude in you and there's much more you find players, many more players who don't have that attitude than those that do. And those that do end up making it. And Sean, I got to ask you that mentality. Where did you develop that? Did you read a book? Did you, was it somebody that inspired you? How did you become that way? To be quite honest with you, it's just from my experience. And, and that's something that you know, you kind of attach yourself as, as you grow up to, to people who have same interests and same ethics and same kind of uh, motivation as you. And, and as along the way, you push each other, you push your friends. And, and that moment through the adversity I gained and through the experience, I kind of developed that mindset naturally. And then I, I mean, that's why everybody looks at adversity as, you know, it's such a tough such a tough thing. And I feel like I'm never getting the bounces, but now kind of when adversity comes my way, I welcome it. And it's almost like it's, you know, something that I'm used to and, and something that I know is going to help me grow and help me learn. It's, it's kind of who I, who I've become today is through adversity. Yeah. It's amazing. So you, so we'll pick up the thread again. I just had to talk. That mindset is so rare. I've, I've rarely heard anyone talk like that, uh, but we'll pick up the thread. So you go to the development camps, uh, Alan, Sean, take it from there. Well, let's talk a little bit about your next year and your next NHL draft experience. Yeah. So, geez, I'm lucky enough to have gone through two drafts and kind of seen both sides of uh, the spectrum. But that summer, going back through, uh, I kind of took everything and, and I was always a hard worker, but I even ramped it up to the point where it was a little bit insane, quite honest with you. It was it was it was crazy, like just. Everything that I thought I couldn't do any more of, I was doing more of and uh, kind of pushed myself to the max. And, and I knew that kind of rode on that feeling of, of sitting there at the draft and remember proving those who believe in me right. So I, I kind of went through that year, had a really good summer, uh, came back the next year and started off, came out with a bang, quite honestly to you. I, I was faster, stronger. Every aspect of my game was better, and I started the year, I think, with, I want to say, over two points per game in my first 10 or something like that. It was, you know, almost, almost leading the league, and and everyone's kind of looking looking around, like, where, where did this guy come from? And, and, and that was a good feeling for me because I, I knew that I was there the entire time, and I knew that that's what I was, could do and that's what I was capable of, but it was nice to see that people were kind of realizing it. Um, I missed a step. I actually went to the Islanders camp as well. And they told me I wasn't good enough as well. So after a great summer of training at a great camp with the Islanders, I really thought I had, was playing the best hockey I could play at, at 
at that Islanders camp, they sent me home. So just a little bit more of kind of screw you. You're not good enough, but went through the year. Uh, as I went through the year, I kept up that. I didn't keep up the two points per game, obviously, but I kept up the pace of, you know, I'm going to be not only just a player in this league, but a, a dominant player, a good player in this league. And the team was having success. Um, I was doing well. And then I got hurt. And it sucked because of this. Like, like I said, it was nice to have everybody realize that, hey, this guy, where does this guy come from? And, and how's he doing this? But to have it happen at that time, especially knowing that I was eligible for the draft, kind of sucked because a big part of the draft is consistency. Can you do it on a consistent basis? Can you do it for the whole season? And then there was uh, obviously the questions of, of can he do it? I was doing interviews and stuff, and they would obviously mention that stuff and, and things like that. But I, I came back from injury, played a little longer, played played some games, and then uh, played a few games before the playoffs, and I didn't do anything. It was three – I think we had three games before the playoffs, and, and it was probably not my worst three games of my life, but not – I wasn't where I was before. And, and obviously, it's not easy coming back from injury. Playoffs started that year. And I knew for me to make a statement, for me to, to come back and play the hockey that I had to show people I could play and for the team to do well would be the best, not only for me, for the team, for, you know, my career, for everything. Mm -hmm. We came back that year and we went, we won the first round. And I was really happy with that. The team was playing well. I started playing, certain things started to click for me again and, we went to the second round against the probably the best team in the in the country at the time, who was the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And we went to seven games. And I ended up putting I ended up having a great series and a great playoffs. We lost in seven, but I had I think it was 16 or 17 points in 11 games, I want to say. So it was uh it was good. It was, I was feeling back to my normal self and going into that summer, I knew obviously I had to make the decision again. And, and I thought, you know what, we did it once. Why not go again? Except this time I was a little more confident that I was going to go in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember where the draft was in 2018? Yeah. This draft was in Dallas now. So okay. I was traveling the world, quite honestly, through a couple drafts. <laughs> <laughs> so now you and your family head to Dallas. Um, you go through the draft the first day, the first evening, which is the first round. Mm -hmm. And now you come back for day two. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So you go through day one and you hear names being called again. And the same thing goes on. You don't know a few guys in the first round, which is a little bit surprising at the time, but you're like, you know what? Uh, confident. I'm going to get drafted. Whatever happens, happens. Day two comes along, wake up, a little bit more of a different feeling. I kind of was just almost like, where am I going to get drafted? And and you don't know there's that uncertainty now. But uh, me and my, my family comes along. We, we sit back in the row and, and names are getting called early in the second round. And, you know, you get that bit of flashback of like, you know what, maybe I might not get picked. Right. You know, it, it's because it, quite honestly, it's not traumatizing, but it's a it's a pretty big experience for a kid to go to the draft and not get picked. You you're, you re, you don't forget that. It's yeah. something you just you you won't forget. So I'm sitting there and, and names are getting called, and I look at my parents and I have a little laugh. I'm getting a little bit of a deja vu here, like some flashbacks. And then finally, to be there when my name was called was like just a weight lifted off my shoulders, like so much of that hard work. It, it was so nice to feel that kind of pay off a little, like not completely, but just that moment of satisfaction was well worth all those hours and that training and all that adversity you had to go through. Not only from that point, you, you kind of flash back to your whole career. You know, that's right. a dream that, that you have. And, 
and obviously it doesn't happen to everyone, but I was, I was lucky enough for it to happen to me. And you, you don't sit back and relax too long because then things ramp up after the draft. But for that, for those five minutes of, of getting picked and walking down those steps, it's, it's quite honestly, it's, it's worth all that hard work. So I was lucky enough to go through them both. I mean, I, I kind of have that mindset of learning from your experiences and, and that day I got picked, it was another learning point for me. So it was awesome and, you know, well worth all that hard work. Now you got drafted by your hometown Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you get yeah. drafted, you hear your name and, uh, and then you walk down the stairs and you walk onto the draft floor and you're walking over to the Toronto Maple Leafs table. What was that like for you being someone who grew up in the greater Toronto area. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe for guys who go the first time and and they're a surefire pick, they're like, Oh, please pick me. Please pick me. I want to go here. I want to go here. But at that point, sitting through about eight and a half rounds of NHL drafts, <laughs> I, like, I don't even know if I knew who was on the board. I was just like, come on, just call my name. Somebody call my name. Anywhere is good. Anywhere is good. But realizing it you know uh, it was it got down it was la and then toronto la picked the right before them i remember seeing the leafs and a quick thought like oh you know i've talked to these guys like it could i could possibly go here and then hearing my name was just the relief of you know being picked and then walking to the table and shaking these guys hands and, and meeting out all the guy all the staff and stuff you're like oh my god this is the toronto maple leafs so it was that was cool. Like growing up watching that team. So that, that was a pretty cool experience for me. Did, um, do you think the uh, seven game set against the Sioux Greyhounds helped the cause at all? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Kyle was watching. Yeah, I'm sure they have a lot of, a lot of Sioux Greyhound stuff. So no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. That has to feel incredible. And, and do you remember, do you remember your, your parents reaction? Do you remember who was there with you? What, what do you do? What do you even do after you get drafted? Yeah, so I was. I remember the first draft I went to. Uh, my biggest worry, well, not my biggest worry, but I told my mom. I said, "Whatever happens, or if I don't get picked, don't cry." <laughs> so I, I basically told her, "Don't cry. Like, what, I don't care if I don't get picked. Okay. Just don't cry. Hold in those tears." <laughs> and then the second time, obviously, she couldn't help it. She was bawling her eyes out, and you know, just having my family there. Everybody was just like so happy, couldn't believe it, and. And it was cool because I told you guys sitting there beside my parents that first year, you want to show and and having my brothers who are watching and all my family, you want to show them that they, they had the right guy. Like I'm, I'm the guy for this and I'm going to do it. So it was cool to to kind of prove those guys. Right. And and kind of enjoy it with them. But uh, yeah, a ton of emotion, uh, relief. It's, it's honestly you black out a little bit. So it was, it's a pretty cool, it was, it was an awesome experience. Very cool. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess you went uh, again to the Leafs development camp, but now you went as their second round pick. Went a little bit. Yeah. That was a little bit different that year. <laughs> I had a little more attention and uh, yeah, they, they paid a little bit more attention to me. So that was a, a better experience that year. Okay. Now something happened to you that doesn't happen often uh, to um, young players drafted, you know, in the first couple of rounds, Um, you got a call one day and why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So I I get traded in the OHL that day or that year. Um, I moved to Guelph. Uh, We kind of had a a older team, more experienced team. So was going through that and I had a dinner planned with the development guys in Toronto and they were driving out to Guelph and it was quite a bit of a snowstorm. And I just sent them a text saying, we, are we still on for tonight? And they said, yep, we're making the trip or whatever and driving in the snow. And, and I'm just about to just about to start getting ready and my phone's buzzing again. And it was, uh, it was Kyle Dubas at the time and get the call and, I'm like, is he coming? Like, uh, like it's just supposed to be a casual dinner. We talk about hockey, we talk about my game, this, that, what I could work on. So I pick it up and say hello. And 
Jose, Sean, it's Kyle here. Uh, just want to let you know you've been traded. And everything, like, what? <laughs> it was like, uh, <laughs> it was pretty, it, it was dark. It was winter at the time, so it was dark. And that was, okay, like, goes, yeah, you're, you're going to L.A. They're going to reach out to you. I just want to reach out to you first. I said, okay, perfect. Uh, I mean, I guess thanks for everything. Thanks for uh, making a dream come true. Uh, you know, that's it. It was pretty quick. It was pretty, pretty uh, straight to the point, and it was fun. Then I get a call from someone in LA and it was Mike Feud at the time. It was assistant GM. And he goes, Hey, I want you to look out your window. And I'm like, hold on. First of all, I'm supposed to be meeting with the Leafs tonight. Is this guy outside on my driveway? So I, look out the drive- <laughs> I look out the window and I just see snow. And I'm like, yeah, it's just no, nothing's out there. He goes, you see that snow? He goes, you're not going to see much of that in LA. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool of him to do that because it kind of calmed me down and, and kind of was like, okay, like is that's awesome that, that it kind of made a joke like that and uh, called my family and just let them know and and then I ended up still meeting for uh, dinner with those guys. So I got it. <laughs> nice. I mean, they made the drive out to Guelph, so we we ended up having dinner and uh, yeah. But other than that, it was uh, it was a new experience. And uh, after your last year of junior, uh, you've got your NHL contract signed, your three-year entry-level deal, and you've turned pro. Yeah. Talk about the transition uh, that you went through going from uh, um, an elite defenseman, offensive defenseman in the OHL to now, you know, NHL camp and then American League camp and now starting the season in the American League? So I heard a quote one time from somebody in hockey, and, and it was either, you know, it's so tough to remember, but it's one that stuck with me. And it's, it's one that in this game and in most aspects of life, you go from a group of common people and you have to, you have to become the, one, the uncommon one. And you have to take the step up and then once you do that, you go right back into a new group of common people who are all the same as you. And then you have to take the one step up. So you think about it in hockey. I was in my career, I was the common in double A, went to triple A, became right back into the right back into the mix of all the common, you know, average guys. And then you become uncommon and then you go to the OHL and then you become uncommon and then you kind of go to the AHL. And for me, it was, how do you become uncommon? Not faster, but how do you become uncommon consistently? And because you can, you might be able to do it once and then the next group you're stuck. So for me, it was something I just relied on and it was just no matter what's going on, no matter what adversity I'm going through, be better than I was the day before. Whether that's 1%, whether that's 0.0001%, do what you have to do to take every single day and become better than the next, become better the next day. And you feel that it's cool because once you realize, like, you feel yourself become common in a group, you get on the ice with these American League players, these men, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm no better than anyone out here right now. Like, these guys are all great players. So what can I do? So I I realized through all the adversity, through all the shit that's going on, you got to rely on what works and that's hard work. Mm -hmm. You take every day and you learn and you work hard and you get better and you get better and you get better until you start to feel yourself on the ice, whether it's, you know, in a game or in practice, you feel yourself, you know, kind of standing out above the rest. And once you start to feel with that, you ride it and you keep going and you keep going, you keep going and you build confidence by practicing and and by working hard and and you rely on what works. So for me, that works. I don't know what other guys think, but for me, it was learning from every single person I meet, every conversation I have, every single guy I watch on the ice, working as hard as I can at things I need to work on, being brutally honest with yourself because sometimes you got to be and moving to the next. So I had to become uncommon in a group of really good hockey players. And this, and obviously it gets tougher. 
it's mm-hmm. it's only going to get tougher through your career. Yep. And your your first year in the American League, um, were you were you playing every night? Uh, what was your ice time like? Yeah. So it was it was tough. There was uh, a lot of good defensemen that year. I think there was three or three or four rookies that were all highly touted prospects and I was kind of caught in the mix. Um, but I was no matter what, it was a rotation. So I was in and out of the lineup. I could have one of the best games of my life. And the next one I'd be sitting in the stands. So, you know, I keep talking about experience because you can go through a bunch of things, but if you're not learning it, it's pointless. And my experience of, of when I was in the OHL, what was I doing? I was not playing in my first year, but I was working harder than everybody else, longer than everybody else, and I was slowly getting better and slowly getting better. So not playing, you have the – I don't want to say it's a blessing not to play because you're, you're not – you want to play. It's, it's, why, it's why you do all this is, is to play to have fun. But when you're not playing, you don't have to rely so much on your body and, and kind of keeping fresh, but – so you could work out a little harder than everybody else. Mm. So maybe when everybody was in the gym, I was, you know, I, I was able to lift heavier because I didn't have to worry about being sore the next day. I knew I didn't have a game. So I was taking those and I was trying to get stronger and kind of fit in, but I was getting scratched and uh, I ended up getting scratched. Jeez, almost uh, maybe a little less than my first year in the OHL. And, and that's a tough feeling, especially because you go from being, the man in the OHL, not the man, but like a, a better player in the OHL playing in every situation, reliable every night to right back to that common group of guys where you're not standing out at all. And you're no better than anybody else. And, and you, you find out you're not playing that night and it can suck your soul right out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you, you find out that day and, and that night, sometimes you're doing warmups and you find out after warmups. So it's, oh. It's a lot like it, that was, that was obviously the rare time, but like even just the day of, you know, you, you know, it's no good feeling when you, you go to bed early, you're feeling fresh and then you wake up in the morning, you don't know the lineup yet, go to the rink and you're not on. It. So it's, I mean, it's adversity and it's, it's never easy to see that, but if, if you look at it a different way and you, you try to put a positive spin on it, it's, it's kind of what I've learned to do at this point even in those toughest times, like, what do you do? You rely on what you know and what, you know, works and and you put that positive spin on it. I wonder too, Sean, do you feel like it, it, it helps you just not take playing for granted? Not that you ever really did, but sometimes it's like, it's, if you're on a rotation, you're trying to make the most of those games. Like these are my games. I'm going to, I'm going to take these games because they're mine. And it's unbelievable in this game too, because you got to do something to not stand out, but like, yeah, quite honestly, stand out. You gotta, you gotta do something that that makes everybody go like, you know what? He, he should be in the lineup. But at the same time, if you do too much, they're not gonna want you in the lineup. So it's finding a perfect balance that's so slim, and and it's I don't know if it's like that in other sports, but in this game, it's it's a it's a fine line of, of finding what you can do and what you can do to stand out without standing out too much. So. Well, the, the issue is you, you know, you, you, you rush the puck and you move the puck. And if you quote unquote, do too much of it, um, you end up, um, you know, running around and yeah. you're always oh, running around too much. And, and a lot of times that comes from trying to do too much and it takes, you know, some experience yeah. to say, okay, I can pinch. Okay. I got a lane. I can go. Um, okay. I better get rid of the puck right now <laughs> because I don't want to cough it up on my blue line. Right. And, and that is, that takes some figuring out. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that perfect balance of, of what you can do and what you can't do. Because like you said, Adam, it's, you want to, you don't t- you don't take playing for granted. You don't take playing for granted. Quite honestly, you want to stand out. You want to, show you should be in every night, but to do that, you, you can't make too many mistakes. It's a, uh, it's a fine line, but every single night you, you learn more and, and every single game, every single practice. And I had a coach tell me, and, and I don't know if there's, you know, guys or kids watching who, who are going through this, but when you're not playing, you got to take the, your practices as if they were games. And it was a former coach. Uh, and he, he basically 
I took every single practice I had and we would do some battle drills and I would quite frankly act like it was a game and I would have to compete my heart out in practice just to get myself into game speed and just to, to get, prepare myself for those games. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your, your second year pro mm-hmm. and, and what that experience was like compared to your first. This is an experience that's probably hopefully fingers crossed is, is never going to happen again. It was the, the COVID season in, in the American league. And that was, uh, Personally, I took it as like such a learning year that it was almost as if we were just playing practices and and not obviously their games, but you knew there was going to be no Calder Cup. There was going to be no championship. So I'm like, how can I use this season and not throw it away? Because I I know a lot of guys were almost throwing it away. You're you're playing in a practice rink and, you know, it's, it's. You feel how easy it is to just say, "Ah, oh, this season's you know this is stupid." Like, I don't this know. This sucks. This yeah. sucks. We're playing on the, the. You know, I just want to get home. I just exactly. want this over with. Yeah. So it, it was, and I feel like how easy it could have been to do that, but I was lucky enough that we were pl- we were playing out of our practice rink in El Segundo, and we had eyes of every single development guy we had on us. We had cameras at every angle, and I was able to dissect my game at a different level than before. And and we weren't playing as many games. So it was, you know, you're looking at, you have a lot of time in between games to, to work on it and, and see what you could have done better. And finally, uh, towards the end of the year, you see things start clicking and it was almost using every game as, as a practice and, and like learning from it and dissecting my game in a different way than I would have. And if you're, kind of competing for, you know, a Calder cup and you're more focused on, you know, let's, let's win a hockey game. I was, I was able to focus on like what I can do better and and what I can build on as a, as a player. So it was a different season. It was a little strange and hopefully we don't, you know, I ended up making a positive out of it, but at the same time, you want to play for something you want to play to win. I think the entire world's with you. We would do do not want that to happen again. It was just the worst. Now, Alan, is, is this, is this a good time to kind of jump in and talk about how the relationship between you and Sean started? Is this around the time that you guys met? Yeah, it was during this, this season. Yeah. So, Sean, I got to ask you about that. Your first introduction to Alan Walsh. What happened there? How did this all come together? Yeah, it was, uh, Alan was, was representing uh, a couple of my teammates. And I remember thinking uh, at this point in my career, you know, what my goals were and what my ambitions were. and um, I wanted to find someone who quite honestly matched them and someone who had the mindset of, you know, I want to be the best and, and I want to make it to the top and, and someone who could help me get there, quite honest with you. So uh, I met Alan. We had a, a few meetings and right away I kind of knew that we'd make a good match together and, and uh, we were going to make this work. I like that. <laughs> and and. You know, I, I got to ask you, Alan, because um, I know what your energy is. Uh, I know what your your goals are. You're a passionate person. When you met Sean, what was your first impression? And how were you guys introduced in the first place? Uh, I have somebody working with me for the last several years, and uh, he brought up Sean's name. And a couple of players that I represent uh, brought up Sean's name. And that's how we initially connected. And I think the first time we actually met together, it was a Zoom call with uh, Sean and his mom and dad. Uh-huh. And uh, and we all met together. And uh, it, again, it was during COVID. You really couldn't meet face to face with anybody back it. then. Yeah. Right. You had no other option. That's how you were conducting business. And um, what what impressed me from the very beginning was I saw. Sean's fire. I saw his determination. I knew what he had already overcome and the adversity he'd faced. And, and I got to know him. We had some conversations and I said to myself, this, this guy is going to make it. He has it. He has that fire. Nothing is going to stop him. 
And, and that's what I, that was my initial thoughts of Sean when, when we started getting to know each other. And so, you know, this relationship of the, the two of you kind of happens and then Sean, you're coming up with a very exciting young team. Like you mentioned, you had three or four rookies on that team that were pretty great. Um, you know, you're trying to stand out with, you know, an, a Quinton Byfield, you know, uh, on that team and how good he is. And there's so many other players in the LA system that, you know, you've got an exciting, amazing young team here. Mm-hmm. When did, and I'm going to ask this question for both of you. When did you feel like, uh, things really started to es- elevate to the point where it's like, I might see some game action here in the NHL. Was there a call? Was there a feeling that you guys got? How did that happen? I mean, that when you're playing the American League, you're, geez, you, you think about it all the time. Yeah. And uh, quite honestly, getting that out of your head is is probably one of the hardest parts about the development and about playing in the American League because you want it so bad, you want it so fast. So for myself, it was, and this, this is kind of when I met Al and, and, and what we've talked about is, you know, it's, you want it so bad, but it's, it's, and you hear it all the time. It's, it's so hard to get to the NHL, but it's even harder to stay there. And like, I wanted to prepare myself for when I had my opportunity, like I wanted to make the most of it. So there's one thing I can control. And, and it was that I can't control when I get called up. Um, you know, you work your hardest every day and you, you want it to happen so bad. And, but when it happens, are you ready? Are you truly confident that you can make an impact and you deserve to be there. So that's what I did. I mean, I, I probably thought I was ready to get called up my first year, my first day. and I wanted it so bad. Like but <laughs> you, uh, I was very fortunate where I was at the point, I was a third year pro and I was confident in my abilities to show them that like I wanted to play there and I can make an impact. And uh, lucky enough, I uh, I ended up getting a call, and you know, you, I, I was I had a couple of bounces along the way to to get there, and and uh, I just tried to make the most of it, quite honestly with you, and and I had, I had a couple of good bounces in the game, and kind of stuck. So Sean and I were were so we're having lunch, and uh, I'm sitting at the restaurant uh, near the practice rink. And I get a text from Sean. Hey, um, I, I was walking outside and uh, they're calling me back in. Um, I'm going to be a little bit late. Sorry. And like, no problem for me. I'm just on my phone answering emails, returning texts, hanging out. And uh, Sean walks into the restaurant, maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes after we were supposed to meet. And he's got a big smile on his face and he sits down and he's, he looks at me and he says, I just got called up. (laughs) Get out. Really? Yeah. Yeah, It was pretty cool. I was, I was, I remember I did all my stuff at the rink. I, I even stayed a little longer because I knew we had a lunch and I I timed it perfectly and I'm leaving the rink and I get a call and it was saying like, you got to come back. I said, can we meet tomorrow? It was with uh, the D coach. So I'm like, can we, can we do it tomorrow? Is it just some video? And they said, no, you're going to want to come, you're going to want to come back right now. And I'm like, am I in trouble? Like, did I do something? And then <laughs> as I got there, it turned out it wasn't with the D coach. It was with Rob Blake. So it was pretty cool that, that we were just meeting for lunch before that or after that happened. I got to, I got to ask you, is it as a defenseman yourself, when you have a meeting with Rob Blake, one of the best ever, <laughs> is that intimidating? Uh, I mean, in the beginning it was, and then you realize how nice he's a nice guy and, uh, you know, he wants the best for you. You guys are all on the same team here. So it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, we're part of the same family now and to have a guy like that on your side is uh special, quite honest with you. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty darn cool that Rob Blake is a GM there. Right? It's just amazing. Yeah. Alan- so, so one thing I always want to ask and, and, you know, I was, um, I, I was watching it with my own right in front of me. Tell, tell us about your first NHL game and what that experience was about, you know, family and, and, and what their reaction was and how that all went down. 
Yeah, quite honestly, I blacked out from the morning till night. I don't remember anything. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you wouldn't blame me. Just kidding. No, I was. Uh, geez, that experience is. You don't feel those nerves like you, you feel those nerves very, very few times in your career, and and I probably had nerves like that in my first OHL game, and then you know I, I've had dreams of myself walking out of the tunnel, and when it's happening, it's almost like is this a dream? And it was when I was walking out on the ice and getting on the ice and kind of looking around and, and you're sitting there during the national anthem and you're like, this is happening. Like, this is, like I said, you're almost having those mini flashbacks of like, I've worked my entire life for this moment and, and it's happening right now. So it's very little time to enjoy it. And I'm, I'm lucky enough that I kind of thought about that in those moments and I, I got a chance to kind of enjoy it, but, The first few shifts, you you don't feel like yourself. <laughs> you feel like <laughs> everything's on edge and pins and needles and this, that. But once you sit down, you, you're sweating a little and you realize that you're playing a game of hockey that you've played forever, it's, you know, it's so fun. And, and you can't – there's no other way to put it other than if you enjoy it, and, and I was lucky enough that I did, and, I, and you realize that it's just hockey that – you'll you'll have fun and, and that's why you do it right it's, it's a game at the end of the day and uh i i had a great i was lucky enough to have a, a couple good bounces and, and a great experience my first game yes you did mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's, it's weird you look back and, and now i think like hey like it was it went pretty well but we ended up at the time we lost six two and i was pretty pissed off after the game because <laughs> you want to come in and you want to win so it was it was shitty at the time, but it's uh, you look back now, and and I ended up, I, I ended up doing, I scored a goal, which is cool. So it was, it was a good experience. Was your family there? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, special to have them along for the entire ride. So it was nice to have them there too. Yeah, there was um, mom and dad. Uh, two brothers were there. Yeah, two brothers. Um, your girlfriend. Yeah, Sadie. Um, that was uh, quite, quite the crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan, I was lucky. I have, I have a good support group around me. Alan, for you, you got a client that comes in and plays their first game. You're sitting next to the family. Do you say anything to them before the game starts? Um, several times we, like Sean's family and I, would go out before the game and grab something to eat before uh, the game. And you know, Sean's family—they're incredibly close. They're wonderful people. Um, uh, I have a, a great relationship with uh, mom and dad. You, you, you sit there and you have some great conversations and you, you know, there's certainly a little bit of nerves, but they are really down to earth. And uh, sometimes sitting next to parents while they're watching their son play um, is a, is a nerve wracking experience. I, I sat next to a mom once whose son was a goalie and my shins were black and blue because every time he made a kick save, she kicked me in the shins. (laughs) (laughs) I said to the dad for the third period, you want to change seats? (laughs) You probably knew. knew. (laughs) Wow. You know, but, but it was, it's great. It just feels very, very natural and very comfortable. Um, and, and they go there, they show their support. Um, there's a lot, a lot of love there. Um, and, and they're incredibly proud of, of everything he accomplishes. I can bet. I imagine they are. Uh, and and so Sean, you know, the thing is, is that it's one thing to play an NHL game. Like I I think, uh, uh, a friend of, uh, our show at the network, a guy named Ken Reed wrote a book on, one night only, you know, they, the, the players that played one game in the NHL and where they are now, how do you get to game two? How do you get to game three? And how do you get to game 20? And, you know, to the point where you're playing every night. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because when you start, you know, it's, it's day by day and it's, you grow up and you hate tryouts. Yeah. You really every year trials come along you're like oh i hate this like you know you you feel like the eyes on you and 
you know, I just want you like, I want to get to playing normal games, but quite frankly, it, it was a tryout and every single game, every single shift was a tryout. And that's how it felt for me, my first few. And, and it was, I honestly don't remember when it hit me, but somewhere along the way, I stopped thinking so much about a tryout. And I just thought more about the team and what we're going to do to win. And, and it was, it was a cool feeling because you kind of feel like you're on the team and you're a part of the team. And, uh, that, that was, uh, cause I remember when it happened. I don't remember when along the way it was, how many games in, but I remember just thinking about what, what I can do that night. Like, what are we going to do to win like this, that, and talking to guys and having more confidence around the dressing room. And, and once you, you kind of fall into that aspect, it makes things a lot easier. You get more comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you're, you're confident and, and it, it's, it's pretty cool. So that was, uh, that was special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, any, any um, player coming into the league, the way Sean did, you don't know if after seven games or eight games, you know, there's an injury, a player gets healthy. Hey, you're going back to the American league now. Like it could happen at any time. Mm-hmm. And you're really living your life on pins and needles going day by day. And, you know, I watched Sean get more comfortable and more confident. And, and it was like, Hey, anytime I talked to him or saw him and I went to a lot of games this year where I saw Sean play, you know, I, I watched carefully little things like how calm he was carrying the puck, how when he had pressure, he didn't just what a lot of young D do and just get rid of it, cough it up, um, you know, turn it over it, it, there was a lot of maturity in his game for a player playing his first NHL season and getting called up at around the 20 game mark, you know, going on to play 64 games in the NHL, many games leading his team in ice time, many games uh, leading the team in ice time, uh, both in the regular season and the playoffs is remarkable. Yeah, it's funny we talk about this. Like, you, it, it gets better along the way, but there's always a little bit that it stays in your head, and you're just like you're still focused on, you know, showing up early, working hard, and you never get truly comfortable or relaxed. Like I say, but it gets better, and and like Alan says, you, you know, it shows up on the ice that comfort level. Well, you want to see a player who wants to stay in the NHL. There was a point in time. Sean, where you fought four games in a row. And I was like, I, this guy's got to stop dropping the gloves and fighting, you know? <laughs> but it was just like he was so into winning that competitiveness inside him had come out. And it's like, I'll do anything that it takes to stay here. And if I got to drop the gloves and, and fight somebody, I'll do that. And uh, uh, a couple of times you dropped the gloves with legitimate heavyweights. You know, and I'm watching the game and I'm doing I'm doing this because I can barely watch, you know, what's going to happen. But you were fearless out there and and it made an impression on everybody. It's hard to imagine you pissed off, Sean. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> you, I know you're I know you got to be competitive to make the NHL. But just in this interview, you just don't you, you seem like a very calm, collected guy. So I know you would do anything, but it's just imagining you. going, Yeah, yeah let's go. I can't imagine it. It's hard. It's you're, hard to you're catching me at a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I was on the wrong side of a card game with you, like uh, let's say no, we're playing and I'm up, are you going to have a problem with that? Yeah, I'll see a little bit of fire. <laughs> yeah. No, most of it comes out on the ice. I'm, okay. I'm usually pretty, pretty relaxed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I have one last question and, uh, I, I always want to know this, and I think people do as well. Um, when you were growing up, um, was there uh, an NHL player that you looked up to and idolized uh, and and what that meant to you along along your journey? Yeah, there was uh, two, quite honestly. There was uh, Eric Carlson. He was kind of someone that I looked up to, and then there was Drew Doughty who I'm lucky enough to have played with this year. So Drew knows that he's, uh, he, he doesn't let me hear the end of it. He's always on me and 
he's uh he keeps you on my toes that guy so it's uh it's fun to play with him um and kind of learn from him and you know when he wasn't playing if he saw something he would let me know and uh yeah lucky to play with him and you get to play against eric all the time now yeah i played eric a few times uh i remember there was a there was one moment that was kind of like I don't want to say it was my welcome to the NHL moment, but it was a moment that like, I probably won't forget. It was a three on three overtime. And I was lined up on one end of the starting overtime and he was on the other and we're looking across and, and I don't know if we made eye contact or I was just looking at him, but I was like, that's Eric Carlson right there. And, <laughs> and I'm about to line up against him. So that was, that was kind of realizing like, Hey, like this is, this is pretty cool. I'm here. Like, let's do this now. And that was a, that was a good moment. Yeah, and then you slashed him in the back of the leg. Yeah, you do like <laughs> Awesome. You do what you got to do. I got to do what I got to do. Yeah, it was that one second, and then as soon as the puck dropped, it was everything. I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Sean, thank you very much for your time. You've been very generous. It's great to have you on. Uh, we'll be getting lunch next week, and we'll uh, catch up face to face. And, um, uh, it's, it's, you have an incredible story and, uh, you've overcome a lot already. Uh, it's a great privilege to be working with you and your whole family. And, uh, just thank you for, for your time here today. No, thank you, Alan. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. It's great to talk to you guys. It was, uh, it was a good laugh and it's, uh, it's always nice to share those things. It's, it's what I've learned and I know I'm still young, but I still have some experiences that. Hey, if, if the right person hears it, it might help them along the way. So thanks for having me on the show, guys. Thank you. This has been Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild, Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Follow Alan Walsh on Twitter at Walsh A. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching Agent Provocateur and hitting the subscribe button. YouTube.com slash SDPN.